What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's Word Balloon, the comic conversation show. John Suntress here. Lawyer Gamal Hennessy is back on Word Balloon. Gamal has tons of knowledge when it comes to uh, being a, a creator, starting off and uh, wanting to do your own creator-owned comics. Well, now he has a new book coming out. Uh, he's going to kickstart it starting on September 12th, and it's all about uh, being a freelancer and the pitfalls and the things to avoid as a freelancer trying to break into the comic book business. Uh, Gamal knows what he's talking about. He uh, has amassed a lot of knowledge uh, through uh, his own publishing, but also uh, working for the big companies, and uh, he's always a valuable resource for information. Um, he does it on his uh, YouTube show with uh, uh, Comics Experiences' Andy Schmidt, and uh, just uh, is a font of uh, great knowledge, and I'm always happy to uh, let him come on and talk about uh, the uh, the ins and outs of getting your comic book career started. Gamal Hennessy on today's Word Balloon. This episode of Word Balloon is brought to you by Pulse College. Pulse College has three decades of a proven track record delivering professional industry training courses in audio, music, film, games, and animation. Since 1991, Pulse has received international recognition for both its vocational and practical-driven academic courses. All courses are designed and delivered by experienced industry professionals and offer cutting-edge blends of academic perspectives fused with practical skill sets in the areas of film, music, games, and animation. This combined with the unique teaching and learning environment of the iconic Windmill Lane Recording Studios makes world-class industry education attainable. Learners from around the world can join in on a variety of short courses offered remotely via Zoom in the fields of sequential art and design, 2D animation, 3D animation, character design, and game environments. For more details, visit PulseCollege.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Word Balloon. This is John Suntress uh, with an important plea for 2023. Uh, you probably read the headlines. Uh, Word Balloon took a sponsorship hit that was pretty significant. And uh, I'm asking you if you've ever been a fan of Word Balloon and considered uh, making a donation through Patreon, uh, a very uh, meager but important subscription. I hope you'll consider it. Um, it's going to be a challenging 2023, and uh, I need your help. So if you like Word Balloon, if you enjoy the content, I'm not going to slow down and keep bringing you some excellent content, but uh, I could really use your help via Patreon, patreon.com slash Word Balloon. 
if you can afford the price of a comic book, if you can even afford a dollar a month, it would be greatly appreciated and uh, help the cause to uh, keep Word Balloon going at the level and intensity that I've been doing uh, in the last uh, four or five years and uh, bring you a lot more content and uh, a lot of great uh, interviews and interesting things about the pop culture world. Patreon.com slash Word Balloon. I could really use your help. Thank you for your attention, your time, and listening to Word Balloon. Word Balloon is brought to you by AlexRossArt.com. Alex has been a longtime sponsor of Word Balloon. I greatly appreciate it. you got to go to his website. You will find tremendous art from original work, covers, pages, fantastic lithographs, amazing posters. Every price point is covered, and every subject is covered at AlexRossArt.com. You've enjoyed his iconic looks at DC and Marvel, but also great stuff like his wonderful work on the monkeys, Monty Python, so many other great pop culture things that Alex has put his fingerprints on. His wonderful Flash Gordon poster that evokes the fantastic Dino De Laurentiis, Sam Jones movie. Recently, Alex did things like uh, the timeless Marvel covers featuring great solo shots of all your favorite Marvel heroes. And of course, his Fantastic Four full circle graphic novel still available. All waiting for you now at alexrossart.com. Welcome back, everybody. Time again for Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntress here. I'm always happy to welcome Gamal Hennessy back to Word Balloon. Good to see you, man. Good to see you, too, sir. How's life been? How's the summer? Uh, every, everything's good, man. We were just talking off the air. We were both at Terrificon at the beginning of August and mm-hmm. uh, too busy to say hello. We saw each other from a distance. So, uh <laughs> I feel a little bit better when you said as well, because I'm like, oh, man, I, I know I was sitting outside and I think I had the panel either right after yours or close enough that I was uh, outside the panel room. So I saw you, but you were talking to people and I didn't want to bother you. But, uh, yeah, I'm sorry that uh, we, we weren't able to hook up and uh, say hello face to face. Yeah, it's rough being popular. You were busy. I was busy. Things were happening. Then when I went to look for you, you were gone. So I was like, well, missed him again. Yeah. I never, I never had a table. I, uh, I pretty much was hanging out. If I needed somewhere to hang out and chill, it was usually in the green room. But, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I'm very excited for you, man. Now, is this your second book or your, or your third? This is, in terms of my nonfiction work in total, this is the third book. I did a book in 2010 that had nothing to do with comics. That was a nonfiction book. And in terms of my fiction stuff, I did seven or eight books. But this is not a part of that either. This is the this is the second book in that series that I'm doing on the comic book publishing industry, where this book particularly is focusing on um, building a career as a freelance artist, as opposed to the first book that was focused on building a career, an independent comic book. Yes, I zoomed in to uh, for the video audience to absolutely show the cover, the business of independent comic book publishing. And now you're uh, taking a look at the uh, freelance side, the business of freelance comic book publishing. And mm-hmm. uh, certainly that's, you know, again, that, that's the ambition for aspiring creators, uh, you know, a chance to, uh, to work for uh, any of the publishers. And, uh, you know, God, I, I don't know what kind of how-to sources are out there. Certainly you've been uh, so involved with the ins and outs of not only creating your own book and creating your own uh you know, publishing initiative, but uh, the various people that you know uh, can give a good firsthand knowledge of the things a freelancer needs to know. 
Yeah, there's actually a lot more. There's a lot of books about having a freelance business because freelancing is such a big part of the American economy now as a general aspect of like the overall economy. But to be a freelancer in comics, that's a very specific type of freelancing work that requires a different type of different type of marketing a different type of financial analysis, a different kind of legal understanding. So this book is going to be much more targeted towards those people who want to work in comics, but they don't necessarily want to have their own company at this point, at least. And they don't want to try to fight for a creator-owned deal. What they really want to do is, I think Mike Martz said this to me. He said, you want to, you want to play with somebody else's book. You want to be able to say, okay, I had a run on Flash or Daredevil or, you know, any of these other books. But the other aspect that I, that was really interesting to actually point out in this is that there are so many other different types of companies you can work for as a freelancer. The, the main thing people think about when they think of freelance, they got to work for Marvel, they got to work for DC, but there's so many creators who are creating webtoons who need freelance. There's so many people in the crowdfunding space who need freelance. There's so many um, comic book companies that have, they have a smaller footprint, but most of the work done in comics, at least in America, is done on a freelance basis. It's not one person toiling away doing the writing, the art, the lettering, the coloring, the production design. That happens a lot more in Europe, where you have, you have more cartoonists than you have comic book professionals. But in most of the books that are made in America, it's a, it's a team effort. And a lot of people on those teams are working on a freelance basis. So there's actually a lot more people in freelance comics than there are in independent comics. Because independent comics means you have to actually have an ongoing company that a lot of people aren't willing or able to do. Understood. You know, it is a weird time. I mean, my God, the entire world is dealing with the post-COVID economy. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, you know, in fact, um, regarding the writers and actors strike, I keep pointing to a great quote that Mark Guggenheim ha had, where he said a television writer shouldn't need a side gig to just have a middle-class income. But unfortunately, the reality, and I think freelance comic book writing and drawing probably is, you, you probably need a backup, uh, a day job to kind of, uh, and especially initially, as mm -hmm. you what what has been your observation of the last couple of years, and also based on some of the conversations you've had with uh, professionals on the other side hiring these freelance people? Well, you you have a lot of you have a lot of people coming out, especially if you look on Twitter with comics broke me and like the whole thing about you know the stagnation of age rates, where people who are working on high profile books and have, you know, fairly long runs on these books are still not making enough to actually generate an income that required that, you know, you could do, you can make comics as, as a living, as a freelancer. And part of the actual analysis is that you have to do a lot of work as a freelancer that you're not getting paid for. To set yourself up as a freelancer requires time and money. And when you're doing that, you're not getting paid. Going out to hit the pavement to look for work is something that takes a considerable amount of time to do, and you're not getting paid for it. Chasing down your client, if you have to chase them down to get paid, 
is something that you have to spend time doing. You're not paid to do. So there's really only a small amount of your actual work that's paid for. So when you're you create a page rate or however you get paid, because there's a lot of different ways to get paid as a freelancer, you have to account for the fact that 50 to 75 percent of the work that you're doing for that business is uncompensated work. So that's where you have to like either you have to have a spouse or a partner that's pulling in a certain amount of income or you have to have a day job. And there's part of what we analyze in the book is that there's there's different levels of income, obviously, as a freelancer. But a lot of people are in what I refer to as the investment level, where you're actually making more money in comics than you're putting into comics, but you haven't made enough to actually stop working any other job. It's the equivalent of somebody who puts money in the stock market, but they're not a stockbroker. They can't stop working based on the money coming in from the stock or someone who invests in real estate, that you're not a real estate broker. You're not a real estate mogul. You just have an additional income coming in based on that activity. And for a lot of people, comics is the same way. The only difference is some people are trying to live off comics with um, with income that doesn't actually meet the threshold of what you need to actually have that living. I hear you, man. No, it's uh, it's a tough economic time. And even, even prior to COVID, uh, mm-hmm. going, going freelance comics is absolutely uh, a tough path. Um, mm-hmm. You mentioned Mike Martz. Tell yes. me some of the other experts that you speak to in the book. Well, uh, this book, this book, the first book was edited by Mike Mark. And the this book is actually being edited by Joe Illich. Joe actually did huge amounts of work when he worked for Milestone. He worked for um, Heavy Metal. He's it's doing cool. a lot of, yeah. yeah, he's doing a lot of film-related development work now. And he is an editor and he's worked on both bringing in people as a free, you know, hiring people as an editor and working as a freelance on the freelance basis. So I wanted to bring him in to kind of give that perspective and to give Mike Martz a break because Mike had to deal with me for the first book. I didn't want him to have to do that. again. Uh, Yeah. And it's being, uh, the foreword is being written by Andy Schmidt. Now, Andy and I worked together at Marvel And he now has his own publishing company, CEX, where he brings in a lot of freelancers. But he's also worked as a freelancer for DC. He worked for Hasbro for a long time. He puts together teams of freelancers as part of like his creative service company. So I know he understands how, how a freelancer actually has to look at the industry and look at the world and how the people who are hiring freelancers have to engage and look at them in terms of like managing the project, especially when people are geographically dispersed, they have different levels of income, different levels of experience, kind of bringing all those people together to bring, to make the book happen, hopefully on time and under budget. Are you covering both the idea that, uh, hey, I'm just a writer and I'm coming in looking for a job, but also I'm a writer and I've partnered with an artist and as a team, we're, we're looking for work. I mean, yeah, like what, what you know, based on that, I don't even know what the right question is, but you know where I'm, what I'm trying well, to yeah, you're, you're talking about, you're about to talk about team building and referral. You're talking about somebody who's basically 
they go out into the world looking to work with whoever it is that, you know, will hire them. And then they'll figure out the working relationship as they go. And that's something that new freelancers kind of have to do, because when you're new and you're trying to break in, you don't really get to pick and choose who you're going to be working with and what the project's going to be. But as you start to work with people and you build up those, you know, those links where you know you work well together, you discover that you're like a Eastman Laird or a Claremont Byrne or a Wolfman Perez, then it's when you're going into your your next gig or the other freelancers going into their next gig, they can say, hey, this is because part of what you do to get a gig is you show the work you've done before. This is the person that I worked with before. We have a very good working relationship. If you need somebody in that space, I would recommend reaching out to him because that, what that does, and that's part of the way that you can get more work more rapidly as your career builds up, is that you get a reputation and you build up a network where people will reach out to you based on people that you already know. Because they'll say, oh, hire this person. He worked on this. Or hire that person, even if they're in the same field as you are. Because if, let's say, you're an artist and I'm an artist, but you've got a, too much work on your plate. Somebody comes to you with a new job. You couldn't possibly take it, but you know it's a quality client. You'll say, hey, I've worked with this person before. You should probably give them work. And that's how you actually, once you build up that word of mouth, that reputation, it's much easier to kind of get your foot in the door in several places and have that work be more consistent. And one of the things freelancers really have to worry about is those dry spells those periods where there is no work coming in, there's nothing coming down the pipe. So now they have to go back out into the street and kind of look for a new gig. And what I recommend is you should always kind of have feelers out for what the next gig is going to be and who is moving around. Because comics is such a fluid industry, the editor that you worked with today may be in a higher position next month they may be in another company next month, or they may not be in comics at all. So if you've, if that's the one pipeline that where all your work is coming in, you're in a vulnerable position. But if you know this editor over here and these people over there, and you know this other company starting up soon, then as you're, you can actually plan your schedule based on who's got work and who knows that you're available so that things are much more stable, if not, you know, 100% consistent. Are you able to get a sense of, let's start with the big two. Mm -hmm. are, are the big two's doors open for new freelancers? I mean, how would you judge where they are in terms of, you know, newcomers? I would say I do not have a good handle on the pulse of how many people they're bringing in in terms of new talent and how many people they're bringing in in terms of established people, but I get the sense, and I've always had the sense, even when I worked there, that unless there was a specific initiative to go out and find new talent, that the editors were much more comfortable working with people that they A, already knew, or B, that one of the other people in-house had already worked with, primarily because, especially when you're talking about comics at the conglomerate level, they need somebody who's going to do consistent work on time. Because 
there comics is a linear production process. If someone's going to wait for inspiration or they're going to wait for a mood to hit them before they actually start to create, they're going to miss the page delivery deadline. They're going to miss the printing deadline. They're going to miss the shipping deadline. They're going to miss the on sale date. Everyone's going to be upset. Nobody wants that. So they would much rather work with somebody who they know is going to hit their deadlines. Hopefully they're going to be early, but early is a big ask, especially farther and farther you go down the the cycle. Um, From what I've heard from letterer, letterer specifically, and this is only anecdotal, is that they are usually given the least amount of time to do the most amount of work because as if the writer is late, the artist is late, that means the colorist will also probably be late. But the editor doesn't want to miss the actual cutoff delivery date. Right. So they just right. give the letterer a lot less time to work. Not really fair to the letterer, but that is how the process goes. You know, Chris Chris Eliopoulos, every time I talk to him, and you know, in, uh, along with drawing those great mm-hmm. Brad Meltzer children's books, you know, he has not only himself, but a whole staff of, of letters and production people. And you're right, man. They are the, literally the last line of defense before mm-hmm. going to the printers. And a lot of times it's, yes, yeah, sorry, but the art is late. Everything else, we need you to get it done by Friday, period. Mm-hmm. It's, it's deadline art. And that is yes. something that I always uh, remind uh, some of my uh, fellow podcasters who will critique books and be like, well, you know, they they use the same background in several panels and I think that's kind of lazy. And it's like, no, they got to make a deadline, man. They got to get it done. And and it's great when it's done and pretty, as pretty as can mm-hmm. be. And certainly they're trying to do that. But deadline is the biggest like thing in this, that it has to be by to the printers by X. So it could be to the distributors and the stores and digitally mm-hmm. at the right time. So, no, I so hear you, man. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And it's great that do you do you then um so beyond art and writing are you are you also looking at uh, lettering in your book as well? We're looking at the entire production process. We're looking at way the ways the freelancer once they land a gig they have to work with the client to actually realize whatever vision they had, yeah. understanding that certain certain clients have certain requirements that you have to kind of deal with. In addition to bringing your own creative vision to a project, you have to work with someone else's creative vision, someone who probably cannot articulate or express that creative vision, because if they did, they wouldn't hire a freelance. 
And so if you're looking at Marvel DC, they may have certain character designs or certain requirements related to the movies, the TV shows, the video game, something that's going to happen two years from now that you, you don't have any idea of. But if you're working with someone who's doing their first crowdfunding project, and this is like their first comic, they are going to have much more different requirements and much more tighter control or much more, maybe more confusion because they, it is, that is literally their baby that they're working with. And then you have all of the, the moving parts in between. We also look at the process of working with other freelancers when you don't actually have control over them, but you have to work with them to kind of get the book to where the book needs to be. And we look at things like how circumstances beyond your control actually impact the work that you're doing while you're doing the book. It may be something as minor as, well, your work, you're, you're the colorist, you're waiting for the artist, and then the artist, kids get sick. Well, okay, well, now you have to deal with that. Or it could be something as big as like COVID. Well, okay, now, now what do you do? The entire industry has shut down. So we look at the production process. The book is actually broken into four parts. There's foundation, find, fee, and finish. So you actually, in the finished part, we're actually creating the work within those constraints. We look at all the different things you have to consider to make sure that the you could actually do the best work in a way that actually helps the client and all the other people working on the book deliver the best product. Now, obviously, we mentioned DC and Marvel, and again, they are much more uh, all about deadlines. Not to say <laughs> the other publishers aren't, but I would imagine there might be a bit more flexibility uh, for the companies like Vault and Aftershock and uh, the like that are the next year. So, yeah, talk about that if you would. Well, there's certain there's certain types of comics that are much less um, deadline heavy depending on the way the client wants to release the book. So let's say if they're doing a creator-owned book that's going to come out at a, it's not coming out at a specific time, then the client can have all the finished pages in the can, to steal a movie term, and then announce the book for solicitation and then send it to the printer. So nobody in the creative team is actually stressed out because they're going to hold on to the pages until the pages are done. So you're not running, rushing up against a delivery deadline that was set because all the other dominoes are in motion. They're holding on to it. Yes. There's other things like we actually recommend um, when a webtoon, if somebody's going to start a webtoon, that they have 40 or 50 episodes already done before they launch the webtoon page. And that way, nobody's rushed, crushed up against the deadline because... They're they're actually making books. They're making the books earlier. So that in those situations, it's much more comfortable kind of crowdfunding is the same way. If you're working with somebody and they know, well, next July, they're going to do a crowdfunding campaign. Well, OK, then and they hire you in, you know, August of 2023. Sure, I could do the lettering for that book that's coming out like, you know, nine months from now. Especially when the crowdfunding campaign itself, that's not the delivery date. That's the crowdfunding date. And they only need a few pages to 
to run the crowdfunding campaign. You may have several months after the crowdfunding campaign to finish. So depending on the client will actually depend on the scheduling, which will actually depend on the crunch. So as if you actually open up the potential client base you're looking for, it's not always going to be that kind of abusive grind that you might have with, you talked about conglomerate publishing. I know uh, Dark Horse, in comparison to DC and Marvel, uh, mm. schedule their stuff, you know, the next year or whatever in advance. And yes. uh, yeah, and again, and because I, I, I've just anecdotally heard <laughs> that from writers and artists that are like, yeah, I'm working on a book. I'm not sure when Dark Horse is releasing it, but this is what I'm currently working on. So yeah, it is It is interesting. Um, what, for your own, we mentioned crowdfunding, your campaign for this new book starts mm -hmm. September 12th? Yes, we're going to launch September 12th. Um, we wanted to actually do it kind of after Labor Day, but have it wrap up kind of around New York Comic Con so that, you know, we could actually do the push then. But we had a lot of success with the campaign for the first book. So it seems like that, that momentum is actually continuing on to this book because we have the pre-launch page is actually up and there's already um, a few hundred people already following the campaign. That's fantastic, Kamal, really. And that is the beauty of, I think, the Kickstarter community in particular, that mm -hmm. you're able to, you know, build off the previous book and you've got a you've got a core audience that is excited for the next book. I think that's terrific. Um oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, and and again, you cover all the bases. I I you know, I know from your previous book as well. Um what um let's see. And now, now, now all of a sudden I'm having a brain fart. What, what, well, again, so the campaign starts on the 12th. Um, mm -hmm. What other aspects do you think you bring to the book that people may not realize? Oh, these are things I need to consider as I get into the freelance business. Well, we, I spend quite a bit of time talking about taxes, which is of course, everybody's favorite topic. That's why people go into comics because they want to deal with taxes. But if you're working as a freelancer, you have to approach your federal, state, and local taxes in a way that's different than if you're an employee for a company. So I talk about how, you know, who has to file, where you have to file, what you have to file, how you actually deal with, you know, deductions, because a lot of people don't understand as a freelancer, if you set up a company, there are certain things that you can do to kind of reduce your tax burden and help yourself out on the back end. I also talk about how to deal with, you know, compiling your tax records, how to deal with the potential of being audited because freelance creators are particularly vulnerable to tax audits. So there's a lot of things, especially when I talk to people who are just getting into the freelance business and they're trying to get any work at all. The last thing they're trying to think about, especially like we talked about before, having enough money to kind of pay their bills. The last thing they wanted to hear is now I got to put some money aside for the taxes. And like, but unfortunately we live in America, you got to kind of put this money aside for the taxes. So it, this kind of helps them wrap their head around it in a way that can be helpful because we talk about the deductions and the record keeping and things that they can do to kind of make taxes less scary and more helpful as they're trying to be a freelance creator. Uh, these are the kind of things, again, that you need to be aware of. And, um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that you're, you're writing this kind of book because 
truly some people are just thinking about, man, I wish I could write the flash, you mm -hmm. know, whatever, and not realize, you know, the, the individual burdens that come along with uh, some of these things. No, man, again, it's a really, it's a weird time. Um, mm -hmm. You know, are, are, are the, are the other, uh, un, you know, and, and I'm sorry, everybody, I don't mean the, to, if you're uh, from vault or one of the other companies, mm -hmm. you know, we all know the pecking order of, who sells the most comics, vice versa and stuff. But are these other source point and other companies, uh, scout comics, mad cave, are they mm -hmm. looking for new people and freelancers? And are, does it seem like they're, you know, I think there's, there's always, there's always this kind of, especially if you're working with people who are, maybe you've got a line of creator own books. Maybe you don't necessarily, if, and if you're expanding your line, that's usually when you're looking for more freelancers because if you've got one book coming out a month or two books and you've got your creative team, especially if you're an independent and you just started, you know, your company, you probably are handpicking your team from people that you already know or you're doing some of the work yourself to control costs and things like that. But once you start to expand, once you actually start, you're having multiple crowdfunding campaigns a year, or you you just acquired another company. That's usually when you're kind of looking for freelance talent. And even when you you think you've got your stable pretty tight, you always want to have people like the backup because you're never going to know who's going to drop out, who's not going to be available. You know, accidents happen. Life happens while people are trying to make comments. Yeah. So you want to make sure that you have enough people, especially not necessarily, like I said, if you're doing creator-owned lines or things like that, not necessarily writers, but artists, colorists, letterers, production designers. And the other thing that I go into in the book is that some of these smaller companies also need freelancers on the business side, whether it's marketing or print management or... Things like that, because if they're starting up a company on their own, they may not actually have all of the skills to handle all of the things that go into having an independent comic book company. They may not know business management. They may not know project management. They may not know distribution channels. And so if you're a freelancer, it's not just about being a freelancer in the creative side. If you have skills, that are business skills that can be applied to comics, and there are quite a few business skills that can be applied to comics, You there's also space to get work in this industry. You just have to figure out what who your ideal client is going to be and how you're going to get compensated. Because if you're doing marketing or print management, you can't get a page rate. You're not making any pages. But we go through all of the different ways that freelancers can be compensated in comics. So you could theoretically be doing one creative job for a client and one business-related job for that same client and getting paid two different ways, which might actually increase your income to something that's more palatable. Like, for instance, if you're a writer and you're writing the script, well, you might also be able to write the marketing copy and the advertising copy and the social media copy and get compensated for that so that you know who nobody is going to know the book better than you anyway you wrote the script so as long as you understand how to write for those 
also those different jobs, that's more revenue that can be coming in. And maybe you're writing for one comic, but you're for another client in another company, then you're doing their like marketing writing or you're doing their web design or you're doing something else. Comics is essentially a small business. Even if you're talking about something like Marvel and DC, you take them out of their larger conglomerate spaces, they're still a small business. Sure. Small businesses have a lot of different needs in terms of how they have to get to make the business work. If you can fill one of those needs, you can make more money, not just as a writer, artist, letter, or colorist, but as those other jobs do. Do you give examples of, um, for instance, and let's start with the basic creative side of the business. Mm -hmm. uh, do you suggest a writing sample length, a, a uh, art uh, example length, things mm -hmm. like that? Yeah, when we go into the process of finding work, we actually look at figuring out what kind of work you can do, what kind of clients actually fit the work you can do, and then how to go about finding them and how to go about you know, soliciting their employment. We, we'd have specific chapters on how to do a pitch, how to do a portfolio review, how to do a proposal if you're working on the business side, because every company has their own submission guidelines and every editor has their own things that they're looking for when they're doing a portfolio review, yeah. we actually go into all of those different ideas, whether you're actually trying to get work from companies online or if you're trying to go to convention where you're like visiting booths, you're going to BarCon, you're doing portfolio reviews. So because there's a lot of different ways to find work, we actually look at all of the different ways depending on what skill sets you have. So like if you have, if you're a writer, it's much harder to show somebody your portfolio if you're a writer. Because an artist could just show the, their sequential art pages right. and that's it. A writer kind of has to get his own book at, at least, you know, five to 12 pages so that someone can see how they tell a story along with the script, because it's very difficult to get an editor or anybody else to read your script and then imagine the comic and then hire you based on that. So for writers, it's a little bit different. You have to be able to show your work and be able to do a pitch because if your client, if your client already has their script or if they, they already know what they want their script to be and they just want you to kind of put it into a more artistic expression, that's one thing. But if you're working for a more of a conglomerate where they will, they're like, okay, we need a, an arc for Hawk Girl. Give us an arc for Hawk Girl. Well, now you have to work with the pre-existing character. And you have to be able to pitch that story in a way that's going to be interesting enough for the editor to pick it up. So we talk about the pitch process, the portfolio review process, the proposal process, if you're saying, well, okay, I'll come in and I'll handle all of your print and digital distribution for your comic. How do you go about creating a proposal that makes sense in that space to get that work? So we look at it from all three angles, depending on what it is that you want to do. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Man, that's great. Um, again, I think uh, a valuable tool uh, for people that really want to break into the business because it's it is it's hard it's hard to gather this information and it's great to have a book where you can find all those answers and stuff. Mm-hmm. And again, I point to your your previous book as well and how well uh, I think that kind of explained things. Um, you know, I know that for um, we mentioned too that, and as you say, uh, sometimes it's easier when you have previous work, especially as a writer. I know for a fact that obviously, uh, especially at the big two, you know, they, they are looking at authors, they are looking at uh, TV writers, people uh-huh. that have a body of work already established. And obviously, sometimes as you're breaking in, that's that's a little hard, you know, a, a harder road. Are you finding? Do you think? starting your own web comic we mentioned that earlier and stuff that sometimes there are self-starting initiives that one uh-huh. you know one person can do uh to kind of get things going i mean anecdotally are you hearing uh that you know that's working for people uh, what do you what do you what is your you know from the freelancers what are you hearing well a lot of times people who are their goal is to do freelance comics they will go out and they will work on a book that may not have a high page rate. It may not have, you know, major distribution, but they'll work on that book with the goal of saying, I need this to have a portfolio piece. Certainly. I need this to, to show, you know, whoever it is at DC that I can actually finish a project because that's, this is a big thing when people are looking for freelancers, they want somebody who they know or at least has shown that they can start something, they can finish something and it's professional quality work because they don't want to, they don't want to bring in somebody who is going to disappear in the middle. They don't want to bring in somebody who, if if the inspiration is not there, they're not going to finish the work. They need someone who can finish something that book shows that they can finish. Some people, they try, they get into anthology. Because an anthology is something that a lot more people can potentially see. They're not, they don't have the burden of creating the whole book. They can, you know, five pages, seven pages, 12 pages, get that work in, get that under their belt, and then take that to go and do the next step. Webcomic is another way to do it. Um, Although web, usually the people that I see going into webcomics Web comics is a goal in and of itself. So some of them, they know that, you know, you get enough traction with your Webtoon, you get picked up by Webtoon Canvas program, and then you're off to the races. You may not want to be freelance anymore. So getting a digital comic, that could be a, a way to have that portfolio piece. But yeah, it's if, especially for writers, um, but even artists and letterers and colorists, yeah. They want to show that they've actually done some work too, and that's something that they could use, even if it's your own book. You use that to get your feet wet, because I have clients, they put together their own book, they read this, they put together their own book, but their goal was not to have an ongoing, independent comic book company. Their goal was to make a comic 
that they can then hand to an editor and say, I've done this comic. So that is that is one of the major ways you can go, especially if you're a writer. You know, I've, I've uh, certainly had my experiences with Artist Alley with very talented people that have very ambitious, lofty goals that mm -hmm. they, they never finish their creator-owned book. So I, I absolutely hear what you're saying. I even remember Josh Fialkoff when he was getting started mm -hmm. uh, at his company, Horse and Buggy, and he would write five-page westerns. Mm -hmm. And they were all independent stories, and he that's that's how he was able to get an artist to help him and draw the book for him. So it wasn't that big of an obligation, mm -hmm. stages and stuff. And ultimately, you know, the guy became a thriving um, comic book writer, and now he's a big uh, television writer. So exactly. uh, you know, I mean, it's you know, yeah, it's I think that's important is to write something, finish it, and even again come up with small ideas. I myself, and I've never really go, followed through, but I've got my handful of ideas that I have. And mm -hmm. knowing all that, I certainly kind of keep that in mind, that my ideas are one and done. Mm -hmm. You know, I haven't been able to crack the five-page code. Mostly mm -hmm. I've done, like, ideas that I think would work best in 20 pages. Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe something around there, less, maybe a little less, like 18 or 16. But, yeah, you know, it's uh, – no, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And then, you know, art, my God, you know, it's – uh Again, it's like we said, it's for the big two, it's deadlines. I man, I know a woman that was ready to go with a Marvel book mm -hmm. and she wasn't able to meet the 30 day, you know, publishing deadlines. And they had to, they had to say, you know, sorry, you're not, you know, it's you, you, everybody can't play for the NBA. You gotta, you gotta be able to play the game. And the game in those cases is deadline, deadline art. So I, I do understand that. What I love is, and I don't know if you've discovered this, for a lot of um, starting out artists that have done their own thing but never really um, either done comic book storytelling or even mm -hmm. getting in the habit of deadlines and stuff, I know that there are um, veteran artists that um, are basically almost – it's 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 a paid gig for the end result artist, but um, a, a veteran artist will give breakdowns to mm -hmm. this who is doing their first graphic novel or monthly series or whatever and it's a big help and it kind of gets their head in the within the idea of storytelling rather than just hey i can draw pretty and it's like mm -hmm. you're half the equation you really have to tell sequential art and tell a story that kind of makes sense as we're reading it from panel to panel and stuff so i i don't i don't know if you've had the chance to talk to any artists like that that, that do that kind of stuff well, that's the that's the core of Andy teaches quite a few classes in comics experience about drawing and writing sequential art. And the one of the linchpins in the beginning of all of these courses is be able to handle something in five pages. Do not, for your first project, attempt to create a magnum opus of 192 pages because you will not finish it it will be the project that overwhelms you. Yeah. If you could actually create a five-page story and then get someone to draw that five-page story and then letter that, because it, it does several things at once. One, it actually forces you to be concise with your narrative. Secondly, when you're going to actually realize that as finished comic book pages, it's not going to be a huge financial commitment. Because if you're hiring a letterer for $20 a page and it's five pages, well, 
that's not a huge amount of money as opposed to hiring them for 192 pages. The other thing it actually does, it actually helps you understand in miniature the linear production process of comics. You understand how the script relates to the rough, the thumbnails, and then the rough pencils revise the script, the finished pencils, then the inks, if the artist is doing inks, and then, and you, you don't, you can understand that process and get used to that process in miniature, in something that is easy to digest while you're still trying to work your day job and live your life, as opposed to trying to get this, you know, massive tome out the door because you think the first book that you're going to do is going to be Watchmen. It's not going to be Watchmen. It's not supposed to be Watchmen. Do five pages and then work up to 10 and then work up to 20. And once you've worked up to 20, you have a single issue. And if you could do single issues at at a certain cadence, you could do trades. And then, only then, are you ready to go into that whole graphic novel? Understood. I was just checking out your preview page on Kickstarter. Not much there yet. Um, are you offering any sort of stretch goal premiums or anything like that? Talk about the campaign. Well, what we're doing with this campaign is we're actually building on the previous campaign and the work that I've been doing in the educational and community space with Andy and Comics Connection. Yeah. So at the the initial levels, you're actually, you know, you get the digital version of the new book or the print version of the new book. At the higher level, you could, and if you missed it the first time, you could get the digital or print version of both books, the business of independent comic book publishing and the business of freelance comic book publishing, either both as digital or both as print or digital and print for all of it. You can get the whole package. The at the the higher level tiers, we're actually offering um free month of membership in Comics Connection. Comics Connection is a online community designed to help people build and develop comic book business models, no matter what kind of business they want to be in. So we have the Discord that our members are on that are very active about all the different types of news that are that impacts professionals in the comic book industry we have classes like twice two times a month on different aspects of the creative and business side of comics we have open question and answer sessions every week so no matter what you're working on or what you're interested in or what you have questions about we take away the idea that comics is an isolated kind of creative process and we surround you with people who are in the same boat as you, who have the same questions as you do, who are trying to get the same answers, and you can then be part of that community on an ongoing basis. The book, in a lot of respects, is actually just the start of the journey, because even if you get the book, things are going to change between now and the end of the year in terms of freelance comics. Sure. If you understand, if you're a part of this community, you actually can digest the foundational concepts, what it means to be in the business. And as new distributors pop up or this company goes bankrupt or these other new digital you know, platforms pop up, you can actually navigate all of those different things with the, a group of people that are have, you know, they run brand new people looking to put out their first book. 
through people have, who have worked for Marvel and DC and Image for years and can actually help you in any level that you need help in. So if you go into, you can join Comics Connection through this Kickstarter at the higher levels of participation and backing. That sounds great, man. Also, you and Andy have been doing a lot of uh, YouTubes where you discuss subjects like this. And am I mm -hmm. right to just drop a new episode uh, this week or recently? Yes. We have the Comics Connection podcast where Andy and I actually, we do this every, once every, we do that once every two weeks too, where we talk about the major issues in the comic book industry, but specifically as they relate to independent freelance and creator-owned creatives. Because a lot of people, I think they focus on these stories and how they actually impact Marvel how they actually impact DC sure. or the MCU or, and all of that is actually very interesting and relevant. But if you're trying to actually build a business in comics on your own, we try to actually help you figure out what it, all of this means to you and how you should actually use this to kind of navigate your career. We just dropped another episode yesterday and that focused primarily on the um, discussions that were started around the Mark Millar interview and the idea that there hasn't really been coherent, cohesive comic book sales charts ever since Diamonds lost a lot of market share to like Lunar, Lunar and Simon and & Schuster and Penguin. But we also talk about the fact that comic book sales charts weren't really accurate to begin with because they weren't actually capturing readers, they were capturing retailers. Right. And how if you're if you're trying to build your own company what you should actually be looking at in terms of sales and profit and loss and everything else to actually determine where you fit in and is what you're doing working in ways that i think a lot of other podcasts they don't get into that that type of detail because they're not focused on that type of audience all the people we work with are people who are trying to either build a business in comics or have a full-time career in comics. So that's how we talk about every issue. And this is exactly what I tell people when they're like, Hey, I want to start a comic book podcast. It's like, well, you need to have a unique voice. And mm -hmm. that's what you guys obviously provide. And it's these kinds of resources and truly uh, between comics experience as uh, a teaching company, you know, a, a school and mm -hmm. as a publisher with what Andy's doing and everything you're doing with your books and everything. No, it's a valuable resource and I'm uh, glad to help, uh, you know, make awareness out there for what you guys are doing, because, um, again, you guys have you guys have a proven track record. I mean, that's that's the thing, both on the creative side and on the business side. So, yeah. uh, you know, that's that's outstanding, man. No, I'm, I'm really I'm really glad you're doing this. And I um, I support uh, your books and, uh, and and your other business initiatives to kind of get the word out. And that's the thing. This is an opportunity for people to not only buy the books, but get involved with your communities as well and get mm -hmm. the answers because it is, it's always changing. Good Lord. Since COVID hit and post COVID, mm -hmm. think of all the different uh, degrees of change that we've seen uh, in the business. And I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, we, we said at the beginning of the conversation, uh, comics broke me that hashtag and stuff. I get it. And I, and I sympathize, but it's, it, it's, from a lack of knowledge and understanding the business as a whole. And I think it's important that as people get into this, they've got a, a clear eyed uh, perspective on, uh, mm -hmm. on what's going on. And then it's, you know, it's, as I always say, and uh, chicken always laughs when I say this, 
It's not the elves, uh, in the Keebler elves in the tree making cookies. <laughs> it's a lot more complicated than that. And they knowledge is power. So you, you need to know these things. I think it's great. Yes. Well, the, the thing that is actually the thing that I can't and me neither need me or Andy can actually um solve is the idea that one of the things about comics broke that it's the idea that so many people who are in comics are in comics because they love comics. They're not necessarily looking at it as they want to make a million dollars. A million dollars would be nice, but if they wanted a million dollars, they would probably not be in comics. So the people are pushing themselves to get into the industry and they want to work with characters that they grew up reading and a lot of them are willing to literally do anything to get into this business. And what we're trying to do is say, hold on to your love of comics. We're not trying to get you to not love comics, but we're trying to get you to balance the passion you have for the medium and the characters with what actually makes sense from a business and legal standpoint. And if you can capture that balance, then you're going to go much farther because you're going to actually have the perspective along with the heart to actually get to where you need to go. Sounds great, man. Absolutely. So again, here, move your head so we can uh, look again at the business of independent comic book publishing already out from Gamal Hennessy. And people can pick that up uh, through Amazon and the like, uh, Gamal. Yeah, it's on Amazon. It's on Barnes & Noble. It's on Google Books. It's, yeah, anywhere, anywhere major paperbacks are sold. Excellent. And uh, the Kickstarter campaign for the Business of Freelance Comic Book Publishing, again, goes live September 12th. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it sounds like Kamal's uh, going to be ready for a presentation in New York Comic Con in October, which yes. uh, sounds great. What other conventions are you doing, man, coming up? Um, I think Andy and I just started talking about the 2024 season. I know I'm going to be doing Megacon, probably Emerald City, C2E2. Oh, good. Do, yeah, we might do Heroes. Um, San Diego, and then New York. So yeah, 2024 is kind of already booked up. Well, that's good to hear. No, and I, uh, well, again, I missed you in Connecticut. Hopefully I'll see you at C2E2 in, uh, in Chicago next year. That would be great. Yeah. And uh, same with Andy for that matter as well. And um, for people who want to watch your uh, YouTube channel, what's, what's, the, what's the channel name? It's called the Comics Connection Podcast. But if you type in my name into YouTube, it'll pop up. Okay, there you go. So everybody, yeah, Gamal Hennessy and, and Andy Schmidt, too, for that matter. Uh, no, uh, very informative uh, uh, podcast. And, uh, and uh, again, I, I recommend people to uh, join this community because uh, this, these guys have the knowledge that you need to, uh, to have the right perspective, as uh, Gamal just said, to uh, succeed. Good stuff, man. No, as always, I'm always happy to talk to you. And I'm, is there anything else you want to cover that before we wrap up? No, I think people have heard me ramble long enough. Let, <laughs> let, let them go do something else. No, it's all good, man. All right, well, uh, have a great Labor Day weekend. I really appreciate yeah. you joining me today, as always. And, uh, you know, you and Andy, hey, if you, you know, whenever you want a new conversation, put out the bat signal and I'll come running. You know that. All right. Thank you, sir. Always appreciate it. Absolutely. Gamal Hennessy, everybody. Thanks a lot for watching. Thanks for listening. And uh, more great stuff to come as uh, – 
We say goodbye to August and uh, usher in September and Labor Day weekend. Wear Balloon never slows down for a holiday. I can uh, tell you uh, definitely that we've got a lot of great content still coming up. So until next time, everybody stay safe, stay happy, stay healthy. Mm -hmm.